Cat Disgusted is a show about veterinary nursing. It is not a show about how to cure your sick pet. If your animal is sick, take it to the vet. Don't be a crazy person and use a podcast to cure your puking cat, dog, chinchilla, etc., etc. I think they would tell you the same thing. If they could. Mm, which they can't. Which makes it hard. You know what's up. Take them to the vet. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Cat Disgusted, a podcast for veterinary technicians and the people and animals who love them. Each episode, we explore the best of times and the worst of times in veterinary nursing. I'm your host, Nicole Dickerson. I'm an RVT working in emergency and critical care. BTSCCC. And this is what happens. I'm back, ladies and gentlemen of the cat-disgusted world. Um, I just came back from what is kind of the end of my indoctrination into this veterinary technician uh, specialty club, uh, emergency and critical care. I just got back from the IVEX conference in Washington, D.C. I know I've talked about that on here before. It's that big critical care conference that happens in a different city every year. Last year it was in New Orleans where I took that god-awful test. Uh, this year it was in, uh, well, they say it's in Washington, D.C. That's not exactly true. It's actually in uh, this weird little town called National Harbor, Maryland. Okay, so it's not really like a town. It's kind of like a, um, it's like a, it's built for conferences. Like it's on the Potomac river. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Um, so it's across the river from Washington DC proper. Uh, but it literally is just a bunch of hotels and like new chain restaurants and, um, this like weird specialty grocery store that's open till 11 o'clock at night selling like organic potato chips. And then, um, a giant Ferris wheel all on the river, all like kind of brand new looking, like almost like Disneyland ish and all these tourists and conference attendees. It's just, it's a really weird place. But anyway, they call it DC because it's closest to Washington DC. Um, so I went there to do the pinning ceremony. Now what the pinning ceremony is after you pass the exam, um, then they like to give you your official little, uh, pin that has like it says avect well avect in now which is kind of funny um a v e c c t n for nurses because they incorporated technicians and nurses because in interna internationally technicians are also known as nurses this is a very hot topic we're gonna like not go into right now because it's a little bit of a thing but in any case uh they give you this little pin and the nice thing is that they make a bit of a pump and circumstance about it. It's kind of, I'm of two minds about it, right? Because I feel like in one way, I'm super stoked that I've gotten through this process. Like, it, uh, amazing that I've gotten through this process. But on the other hand, it feels a little bit like, you know, it's like the Oscars where it's like a bunch of rich, famous people like patting themselves on the back, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, the president reads your name and they give you a big dinner and you go up there and then you can have um, either somebody from the board who can pin you and like quite literally like just like put the pin on your shirt and then you go back to your table or you can have somebody who is significant in your career 
come with you. And then they're the ones who put the pin on. So I didn't really know that that was a thing um, when I initially went to this uh, ceremony. Like I thought it was, you know, I thought I could pick somebody from the board who I maybe um, had a connection with or knew or something. And actually there is this one chick, this very tall board member with this amazing sleeve tattoo. And I always remember her because her name is Robin, because after the test was over last year and it blipped out on me and I thought that I was going to die. um, She's the one who came to me and kind of stood next to me and listened to me gasp and groan. And then she said, I feel like, I want to hug you. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. And I said, yes, yes, you can. And I, and she like, she's like, she's tall. She like bent down and hugged little old shaky panicky me. And it did help. And I will never forget that. I feel like that's a very nice thing for a total stranger to do. And she obviously sympathized with my desperate, awful, dark cloud. So she was there. So I thought, oh, I could have her pin me because she was so nice to me after, um, you know, the test almost killed me. But I was sitting next to uh, my good friend, Kristen, who is the very first VTS emergency critical care nurse that I ever met and worked with. And I have known her like through her test process and through her um, getting her pin. And we were in Indianapolis together. And we went to this like amazing restaurant called the Steer Inn, which like ate like brown gravy and noodles together. So she was there at this dinner. And as I'm watching all these people like bring up other people, like one person brought up their fiance to put the pin on. One person brought up a doctor that they worked with to put the pin on. Um, I looked at Kristen. I was like, girl, I think you should pin me. And she's like, whoa, what? Have you done that before? Have you pinned it? And she's like, no. Girl, you I'm dragging your ass up there. We are totally going up there together and you're going to pin me. So that was really nice. I didn't realize that it was that kind of a, I don't know. I didn't realize it was that much of a thing. And then once I did realize that, that I had Kristen sitting right there. And so when they called my name, I was so excited. I like leapt up, ran to the president with Kristen behind me. Apparently the president of the board is not a very huggy person. I didn't know that. Um, but she put her hand out to like shake my hand. I just bear hug that bitch I just come here girl come in close I'm coming in hot because I was just so excited to have this whole um process kind of coming to a coming to an end and uh uh and she handed Kristen the pin and she very carefully pinned it to me because we're making all these jokes about like how hopefully I don't pierce your nipple when I <laughs> pin you up there uh she pinned me and we hugged and it was wonderful and I was so excited that I didn't even think to have anybody take the, take a picture or like there was one of the um another board person or committee person was taking photographs like in front of us, like kind of like graduation photos. And like lots of people were turning to him, like after the pin was on and being like, Oh, smile clicked. And I was so like crazy that I didn't even think to do that. So the only picture that exists of me in like that moment (laughs) and Kristen is one that this random dude took and then posted on their web, on their Facebook page of me literally running away blurry with my fists in the air. like running away back to my seat and Kristen's little like hand is also flapping around in there somewhere and Megan is the president is like laughing at me so that's my picture there's my golden moment uh of me losing my mind being so thankful so that was cool. Um, the other cool thing about that trip was that uh, I had helped a lot of people study for the exam this year on a Facebook group called VTS or Bust. 
which is a fantastic group that is for VTS candidates who have had their applications accepted and are now taking the exam. The poor bastards. Um, the you probably saw them pop up on the on the SoundCloud for Cat Disgusted because I had. Uh, I posted their study group sessions on there so they could find it really easily. And then they could also to listen to my podcast if they wanted to study that way too, or just need a little break. Um, they're wonderful people. Those girls are great. It's so interesting to meet people on social media and then get to like foster a relationship that way and then be able to speak with them on Zoom meetings, which is how we did the study sessions, and then meet them in person. Uh, I loved Kate, the Australian. Oh my goodness, she's freaking fabulous. She traveled across the earth to do this and she is terrified of flying. So Iron Vagina Kate is what I was calling her the whole time because she is so terrified of flying. She'd never left Australia. Then she had to travel like 24 hours to get here on all this freaking uh, Zolzepam and Benadryl and what was she saying? Oh, Danzatron or something. So she wouldn't puke and wouldn't freak out. Uh, all the way here, none of her CE in Australia counted towards the VTS certification. So she had to do all of it by webinar and online through American resources, which like boggles my mind. She has two children, four and seven. She lives on a ranch where like pictures of her kids in the front yard, quote unquote front yard, which is just like the Australian steps basically with ponies running around. Um, you know, she, oh, and she works at a clinic that has like a freaking like equivalent of like a snack machine's worth of snake anti-venom because everything in Australia wants to kill you. Um, she's great. Uh, she was one of my favorites from this year and she took that test and I, I really, I think, you know, I, I hate, you know, nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody knows, but I hope she did really, really well. She was the, so prepared and so dedicated and she's such a treat. Anyway, um, she was part of those study sessions, got to meet her there. Um, talked about her clinic a little bit, which I'm just endlessly fascinated with. Oh, we got three new ventilators, three new ventilators. Oh, okay. Okay. We're lucky if we ventilate one case a year with our one ventilator, which is kind of like a little touchy goey one anyway. Um, but they've got so many of them because they have a tick paralysis problem because everything in Australia wants to kill you. Uh, this tick will bite dogs and they will get this paralysis that sometimes will paralyze them so intensely that they can't even move their diaphragm. And so they have to be ventilated. And Australia ventilates more patients per year than anywhere else on earth because of this tick. So her hospital got three new ventilators. Ha ha ha. What else can I say about that IVEX trip? I have a lot more responsibilities now that I'm a, a member of the Association for Veterinary Emergency and Critical Care Technicians and Nurses, the AVECDIN. <laughs> um, I go to meetings where they talk about the updates of the year. It's the only place where everybody's in the same room at the same time. Um, there's an information session for people who want to become uh, veterinary technician specialists. Uh, there's a table that they man in the hallway where you can get the study guide for the test and pins if you missed them from the year before. Um, your little lanyard that you wear. Uh, they give you a flag at the bottom of your name tag. People are from everywhere, like Canada, Australia, New Jersey, the exotic land of Rhode Island. I mean, like, you know, everywhere, everywhere. Um, so it's nice to be a representative of the Bay Area there. Um, but it's also nice to uh, meet all the people that represent us all over the earth. It's pretty cool. You know, speaking of the flags, I do have to say something about the flags. Okay, I think this is the only conference that does this. But when you check in at registration 
if you're part of, say you've been part of IVEX for like 10 years, you get an IVEX legacy member flag. And it's a little nylon, like little banner that goes at the bottom of your plastic name tag. So that's one type of tag you can get. You can also get, if you're a member of, if you're a veterinary technician specialist, you'll get your own little flag for that, for that academy. Um, if you are a speaker, flag for that. If you are a member, oh, if you're recover certified or if you're um, moderating a session, flag for that, flag for that. So seriously, some of the people like Andrea Steele, who's the secretary of this um, Emergency and Critical Care Association for Technicians, her flag is like down to her knees, like or her, her like strip of flags is is flapping around like I'm, like we're making jokes, you know, trip over it. And it's a weird status thing. Like the more flaggies you have, the more amazing you are. And there's even places in the exhibition hall that sell like like black market flags, I guess, that say things like superstar or like, you know, catheter placer or whatever. So that you can have flags on your name tag, but they're not like officially from IVEX, but it looks like you have a bunch of flags. Oh my God, hilarious. It reminds me of that movie, I'm Going to Get You Sucker, where there's that guy, there's that one, see- that one um, scene where the guy says like, oh, in memory of my cousin who died of gold chains, because he had too many gold chains on. He shows him the picture and the guy's like head to toe, like covered in like, oh, it's so sad. He done died. It's a gold chain addiction. Like that's the flags, right? Died of suffocating underneath your banners of flags. Um, I'm going to the Wild West Conference in Reno, which is another conference. I'm oh so curious if they're going to have flags. I don't remember them from any other conference. So, of course, now I'm on the lookout now that I actually am getting these little taggy things. Uh, I'm going there because I'm speaking there. Oh, my God. It's my first paid speaking gig. Well, I guess it's not really my first. I did do a a lecture at the Sage Symposium, which was in March. Um, And that went really good. And they gave me a little stipend for that. And uh, I am getting paid for this one. I kind of this one kind of fell in my lap. There was a friend of mine who was supposed to do this speaking engagement and she does them regularly and she couldn't do it for whatever reason. And so uh, she gave them my name. The crazy thing about my name plus VTS ECC is they don't ask for anything else. They're like, oh, VTS. Yeah, sure. Bring her on in. Sure. It's fine. So they just hired me. And I've got three lectures on uh, blood transfusions, respiratory emergencies, and the Recover Initiative, which is uh, the Recover Initiative was evidence-based veterinary CPR guidelines. So look for me there. Um, If you're in Reno between October 23rd and 26th, come on down. See Cat Disgusted live in an action. (laughs) Reno, Nevada. Beautiful, majestic Reno, Nevada. So I'll be up there for a bit. Um, Today... Now that we've caught up on all of my conference activity, I also want to catch up on our story time. I was sifting through some of these, uh, like my list that I have ongoing for stories and stuff. And there's just a lot on there that like we haven't gotten to. And I was so stoked that I'm doing this podcast today because I feel like, oh my God, I'm like going to revitalize all these like stories from years back and, and recent ones. Um, maybe we'll just do story time episodes for a while because I feel like there's a lot to catch up on. So I'll tell some, uh, some ones from way back and then one like more recently, it should be fun. Um, so the first one that I found in my archives was about a puppy that ate some rocks. So now this is not as crazy as you think. I mean, we talk about dogs that eat crazy shit all the time. Dogs eat gravel and, I have several theories as to why this is. 
One, I think, is that if you have gravel that's outside, like small bits of it or whatever, dogs pee on it and raccoons pee on it and people spit on it and spill stuff on it, whatever. And it smells to a dog absolutely delicious. And so they, in th- smelling the gravel, think it's like, oh, a d- tasty thing. And they eat the rocks. So this one particular puppy... It was a big puppy. It was like a mastiff puppy, I think. Like one of the, like one of those one big. Um, there's like a doge de Bordeaux or like a, oh no, it was a um, it was a Neapolitan mastiff puppy. That's what it was. So it's got, that puppy's gonna be big. So it came in through the uh the through emergency because the owner said yes, we know for a fact that she ate these rocks. So I go to triage this little puppy. Um, she's very cute, very sweet. She's only like a God, like a month and a half, two months old. But of course, she's already the size of the earth. Like she's already like 25 pounds. Um, and I go in there and I'm talking to the people. And they they knew that she ate the rocks. But when I was talking to them, I'm like, okay, so do we know when she ate them? Oh, well, we don't really know when. I mean, like sometime today, probably. I'm like, oh, so you didn't see her eat eat the rocks no 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 but we didn't see her eat them but we we know she ate them we know she did like she ate like a lot oh okay were they were they big rocks or so oh well they're like these like small ones that we have in front of the house I mean almost like fish gravel size kind of oh okay but you didn't see her eat them no no we didn't see them, but we know she did oh okay well we usually what we'll start with is taking an x-ray and they, they kind of cut me off they're like no no, no she like is full of rocks Okay, well, you know, if you didn't see her eat them, you know, we're going to confirm it by taking an x-ray. No, 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 we know she, listen, listen. Now, here's where I learned something. So it was a busy night. I had already formed in my head what this was going to be. That I Like, this is a dog that ate a thing it shouldn't. We're going to take an x-ray. Maybe we'll keep it in the hospital. Maybe we won't. Maybe they saw it. Maybe they didn't. Um, So I was kind of going through my formulated responses for, you know, dog eating something but the clients were like literally like adamant that I that I kind of like no shh, listen listen I'm like what so I kind of stopped talking for a sec and they they held this little puppy by her tummy and kind of shook her up and down and I was like what and they're like listen the sound you can hear it so now I listen I really listen and as they shake this puppy it sounds like maracas. Like literally her stomach is all. <laughs> I was like, ah, I see. We, we sound like, a mar- like maracas, like rocks in a bag. Okay. Well, I'll borrow her for a couple minutes and we'll see where we're at with this. So we took an x-ray of that puppy. She was filled. I mean, the stomach was full of bright white gravel and they already had been begun to pass into her small intestine pass into her colon they were very tiny pieces of gravel I don't know why they have fish gravel in front of their house or in their backyard or whatever but she had eaten her fill of those rocks and so we kept this puppy in the hospital for two days and uh she just pooped rocks that's all she did she's perfectly fine she actually didn't never vomited while she was with us uh, we didn't induce vomiting because the rocks were just making their way on through. So she basically just stayed in the hospital and shit gravel for two days. And everybody got entertained by having a Neapolitan Mastiff puppy in the CCU for a little bit. Enough she went home. 
So sometimes it pays to listen to the client, if, if, no, if nothing else, for entertainment purposes, because they might shake their dog like a maraca. <laughs> now, like I was uh, saying earlier, playing this whole story archive catch-up game, um, I did find one from my time at my very first job working in emergency, learning how to do this job. And I was working with my mentor at the time, which are actually kind of... I have to say, like some of my favorite memories of working emergency are when me and um, the chick who taught me how to do this job shared a swing shift together. And we both worked in emergency from like, you know, 11 to 11 to nine or like we do like, you know, or, or one to 11 or like noon to 10 or whatever those 10 hour shifts were. Um, I... I love those times. And there were funny things that happened like they do <laughs> emergency when we're working together. Um, one, I remember uh, that uh, I specifically wrote down in, in honor of our crazy times together was when we knew a dog was coming to us for bloody diarrhea. So totally common complaint with the dogs, bloody diarrhea, um, hemorrhagic gastroenteritis. I think I've even talked about it before. Sometimes we know why, sometimes we don't. Sometimes they eat a bunch of fish rock gravel. That could be a problem, right? Or sometimes they don't change anything and then all of a sudden they start bleeding out of their ass. So you don't you don't really know why. But this uh the, we'd taken a phone call earlier from this woman who um sounded very annoyed that her Maltese had some bloody diarrhea. And so when uh she came up to the front desk when she arrived at the hospital, I think she had acted pretty annoyed and like desperate to the front desk people. And they had called um, a technician up to the front desk to come get this dog, as they sometimes do if like something serious is going on. But also, I mean, sometimes clients are just freaking out and you just want to like pacify the situation immediately. So uh, Tosh went up there, my mentor Tasha, she went up there to get this little diarrhea dog. And she goes up there and then comes back downstairs holding the purse. Now, it's one of those like big mom purses, like one of those big beige, like probably got on sale at Mervyn's mom purses with like the like pleats and pockets on the sides. Um, I can even see like a couple old Kleenexes peeking out the top of it. Um, I didn't really understand what was going on because here comes Tosh with this purse in her hand. Now, if you've seen me or Tasha, either one of us with a purse in their hand, you're like, what the hell is going on? So she comes downstairs and she plops this purse on the center triage table. Um, and that's when I see this little tiny little white dog head pop up. And I'll, oh, okay. It's a dog in a purse. Get it. Dog in a purse. And Tasha's like, okay, now I got, oh, I get. Uh. And I think I was taking care of a cat in a cage I seem to remember that I had my back to that situation for a moment because I heard Tasha going oh mm, eh, mm, eh. and I turn around and Tasha's getting some gloves on because you know the first thing we have to do is like start with the weight and TPR and as she's putting the gloves on the purse is like shifting around like and the head's kind of up and then the head's down the head's up and the head's down and Tasha's just kind of like just poking at this little white fluffy head that's kind of diving in and out of this purse. I'm like, are you okay? Is she like, is she vomiting in there? She's like, she's like, no, no, it's definitely diarrhea. I'm like, oh, is she having diarrhea in there? Tasha's like, no, she's had diarrhea. She's, she's playing in it. 
<laughs> right as she says that, this little like red stained tail shoots up like out of the top of the purse and just starts going in circles. It's like this big old baggy purse. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> does she have her keys in there? Like Tasha's like, oh, oh, everything's in here. Oh yeah, wallet, keys, <laughs> Kleenex, sunglasses. She's like, you name it, it's all in here. And it is all diarrhea <laughs> okay so then she lifts this little tiny white dog out of this out of this purse and the tiny white dog is wagging its diarrhea soaked tail around and Tasha's just trying doing her best keeping her mouth and eyes closed trying not to get a spray and of course because the little tiny white dog it is just pink pink with its bloody diarrhea so we had to give it a bath we had to clean it off now the purse we had just left that purse on the center table while we dealt with the dog. Now, I remember we did not do much with this dog because this woman, turns out, she didn't have a lot of money. So we barely were able to get, like, meds to go home for this dog. Like, you know, a lot of times we give metronidazole for bad diarrhea. I'm sure that's what we did. We didn't do any diagnostics. We didn't do any kind of... um subcutaneous fluids or IV fluids or anything like that. I think we literally just scripted meds out the door for this woman. And she was very adamant about getting her purse back. And that was how the dog traveled was in the purse. So Tasha put a little pee pee pad in the purse, but literally, I mean, cause it's all her stuff. Right. So we told her about it. She's like, whatever, just put the dog in the purse. Okay. So we just like kind of stuffed a pee pad and this, purse of covered accessories and put the dog in there and she just kind of circled around in there and off she went out the door I don't even know how that lady like how did she drive here how did how did she drive home with her bloody diarrhea dripping keys out of her purse I don't boggles the mind boggles the mind You know, one thing that I realized as I was going back over all these story archive things is that I really haven't done justice to our second generation big fat black cat prince. Um, big Princey, Prince of Portland, is from uh, my good friends who used to live in Portland who uh, went through, well, without going into too many details, went through a terrible divorce. We got Prince in the divorce. Uh, he's been living with us for a while now and, uh, I've known Prince for years, you know, like I used to spend the nights up at their apartment up there, um, in Portland. I think I may have even talked about the Prince acquisition in earlier episodes, but I feel like, you know, I must take a picture of that cat every day, every day. And I often send them around to people because he's just a comedian. He's hilarious. And I think that, you know, I think Cat Disgusted can have more of a Prince representation, um, more of a prince presence, if you will. So uh, I think I, well, there'll be some pictures coming up of the old princey. You know, I I feel like I always try to keep the world a happier place on Facebook anyway with his presence. So why not just integrate it into podcast world? I mean, makes sense to me. 
Um, boy, the last, he, I always get him these, um, freeze dried duck hearts in, in Portland. Cause that was his like special treat when he was the Prince of Portland before he was the Prince of Richmond. And one time I went up to Portland and I got him like a baggie of like eight duck carts cause that's his jam. And I brought them down here and I was, it was a late flight when I got home and I feel like I just wasn't thinking and I was tired and I put him in his normal food cupboard, um, where he has opened the door before and I don't know why I thought he wouldn't open it to get his favorite treat in the world but I put him in there and then uh closed it and went to bed and then went to work the next day and I got a text message from Christine that was like is it bad if Prince ate all the duck hearts and there's a picture of him with an empty plastic baggie next to him on the floor so I'd given him one that night. So seven duck hearts is what Prince ingested in a matter of, oh, I'm sure 10, 15 minutes, a flock, basically. He basically ingested a flock of ducks. And I responded like, I have maybe fine, maybe not. I guess we'll see what happens. Um, he was fine. He took a big dump and he was fine, um, which seems to be how Prince processes most of his problems. So the Princey Prince, uh, look out for photos of him coming your way. I feel like it'll make things just a little bit more entertaining for us all. Um, thanks for tuning in and listening. As always, we'll continue to play a uh, story catch up in the next month or so. Hopefully it won't be so far between episodes. Um, so, you know, stay safe and don't come see me at work. If you want to, baby, here I am. Come on.